This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. For most charities, nearly a third of annual giving occurs in December with, check this out, 12% coming in the last three days of the year. Meanwhile, a new study by Vancouver's Fraser Institute suggests that Canadians are not donating to charities like they used to. Study released a little over a week ago said that Canadians donate a little bit over half a percent of their income. That was in 2017. And Americans give nearly three times that amount. Uh, So the Fraser Institute says that uh, the amounts are the lowest since the year 2000. But it is the season of giving. I'm sure that most people out there are planning to make some charitable contributions. I mean, uh, for the taxman as well. If you want to get that tax receipt, you better get it done before January 1st. And so joining me here in studio, Michael Burns, president and CEO of the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, and Holly Thompson, director of public relations and development at the Scott Mission. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. And Michael, I I have to extend our condolences. Um, You just lost your mother to cancer, and I guess that brings everything home. Uh, There's no question. It's a huge loss uh, to our family and and, uh, the many friends that my my mom had and many lives that she touched. Uh, She was an incredible woman. She lived 77 years. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, so just over two months ago. And unfortunately, we lost her uh, a week ago, uh, Wednesday. Um, An incredible mother. Uh, an amazing uh, and gifted teacher, and uh, in her retirement for more than 20 years, she was a community organizer in the east end of Toronto in Scarborough and helped um, uh, assimilate and and support uh, refugees and, and new Canadians that came into the city uh, that uh, that needed help. And so it's a huge loss for our family, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, for my sister, Patty, and my brother, John, and, uh, and my dad, um, you, we couldn't have asked for anyone better in our lives, and we're, we're grateful for that time that we had with her. And, uh, you know, as most of our listeners know, I'm a very lucky survivor of pancreatic cancer, and it is a terrible disease, and, uh, you know, most people, like your mom, don't have much time between the diagnosis and the time they pass, and, uh, you know, people out there, if uh, that spurs you to make a donation, you know, for more research in pancreatic cancer, because it is one of the few where there really, uh, there's been some progress. It's not all bad news, but but not that much. No, you're, you're right. And, you know, if you kind of look at the, the spectrum, um, you know, we've, we've made great advances in the last 20 years uh, in the area of cancer research. If you think about the survival rates for prostate cancer, 90, 95%. Uh, but 
as you mentioned, pancreatic cancer is still in single digits, about 78% survival rate. And the challenge is that uh, the symptoms uh, don't appear until uh, very late, and it's often already in stage four. And um, you, as and I know your story, Libby, uh, you, you are one of the exceptions. And, yeah. and unfortunately for my mom, I was there when she got the diagnosis. Um, you know, I obviously spend every day uh, working with an unbelievable team and some of the most talented cancer researchers and clinicians in the world. Uh, and to be there uh, and to hear that diagnosis uh, was, uh, w- was, was devastating. Uh, certainly the worst day of my life. I, I'm so sorry. I'd like to bring in Holly from the Scott Mission, and you are among the largest group of charities where this is the key time of year for you, and, and that makes sense because your charity focuses on those people who are less fortunate. Uh, and so how is it going, and, and have you noticed what the Fraser Institute found, that, that Canadians are not giving as much as they have in the past? Yeah, it's something that uh, I think a lot of charities across Canada are seeing maybe a slowdown in giving. So people giving um, at lower levels um, or um, less people giving. Um, We're um, blessed enough to have... um, a large donor base of people that are giving, but we are seeing people giving a little bit less. And do do you have an explanation why? I don't know. It's it's one of those things that's hard to tell and hard for um, people to um, maybe explain. So some of it is um, how our investments doing, how our um, portfolio is doing, but also just how is the economy going for people um, who are giving at lower levels. So people who are giving, you know, the $25, $50, $100 gifts, if you're having a tight month, then that room might not be there to give. Do you have an explanation? Yeah, I mean, th- these trends have been happening uh, as the report uh, points out for more than 20 years. We've absolutely seen a decline in uh, the amount of money that Canadians have been giving. Um, what What is harder to track today is crowdfunding. So there's, there is a lot of giving that's going on, but isn't being receded. And if it's not being receded, uh, then it's impossible uh, to track that data. Um, but we have seen an increase in uh, one segment of uh, the population that continues to give. Uh, in fact, I would say that they're over-indexing right now, which is the 1%. Um, the challenge we have in this country, uh, there's about 35, 36 the million. The one for rich people, in other words. Uh, people, yeah, people who on average have uh, you know annual uh, gross income of more than 200,000. The challenge we have in this country is there's about 35 million of us. There are 130,000 nonprofit corporations in, in this country. There's 87,000 registered charities. Um, in the cancer space alone, there's more than 200. And so we're all chasing the 1%. Um, so fundraising, and I certainly can't speak for the Scott uh, mission, but I, I suspect you know, they, they ha- they're facing the same headwinds. Uh, that is a highly competitive marketplace uh, that you have to be on top of your game. You've got to be innovating, and you've got to have a very compelling case for support. And so you know, against all of that, uh, there's no question, while we have seen declines, um, fundraising is as competitive a landscape that I've ever experienced. Well, it's, it's, it's a little different for, for you, you were saying, because it's not so clumped at the end of the year. And I know that people will make donations when they lose someone they know, someone they love, and that given the statistic is one in two of us, it, cancer touches everybody. Um, 
but it's interesting that that you say you need a compelling story because the other strange thing that I see is that most people do not do research before they give their money away. Yeah, I, listen, I, there's no question. Um, there are people that will blindly write checks um, because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're compelled to, to do so or they're, they're inspired. Um, I, I would think, certainly in our experience, the more sophisticated, larger gifts, yeah. um, the people that we deal with are doing their due diligence. Most uh, high net worth individuals, family foundations, people of significant wealth actually have a team of advisors from accountants and lawyers and others who are going through the due diligence and you know, not just listening to a great story, but actually going through the math. And what we're seeing that donors really want is they want to see impact and they want mm-hmm. to see it now in their lifetime. And so it's actually incumbent upon us and our team to make sure that we have a rock solid case for support that not just demonstrates the need, uh, the impact, but how the use of their funds is going to be stewarded over that period of giving. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, we, we embrace it. We, we, uh, we want that level of, of due diligence uh, because it makes us better stewards of that money to deliver on real impact and things that are going to do best for the patient going forward. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably true of those larger gifts. But if somebody's giving twenty-five, fifty, dollars $100, um, they don't really check. It's it's probably is it a matter of a story that resonates, tugs at the heartstrings. I think for us it is. It's um, people who are giving at that level want to know that their money is going to have an immediate impact. And for us, you know, we're going to have two hundred and fifty people coming to us for meals every single day, and those people will people who are giving. 2550 will know that their 2550 is going to feed six people. So it's a really easy um, to understand impact. Yeah, it is. Let's take a call from Aldo in Etobicoke. Hi, Aldo. Hi. Merry Christmas. You're, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes. Well, I think the government is doing so much. We in Canada are so lucky to have a government that gives, gives, gives. It's unbelievable. It's just wonderful, I think. You know, you can go, you can get everything you want. You get free housing. Well, maybe not free, but pretty close to it. You get everything from the government. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a socialist place. So I'm sure if you checked out the, how much they give in Sweden, you'll find out that the government gives everything. Whereas the Americans, they don't get as much because the government isn't taking as much taxes. So we have more to give. So if the government's taking all our money... What heck do we have to give? I mean, well, Aldo, I don't, I don't know where you get the free housing. One of the big stories of the year is how unaffordable housing is, even for people with good jobs and good pay. Well, I but, didn't say uh, it's free. But, uh, I, said the I, I get you. Helps He's... to pay for everything. The government's housing. So, which is strange, you see, in Toronto. Well, if the people can't afford to live in Toronto, why do they come? Okay, Aldo. Um, I think we get your drift. Thanks for your call. Um, is that part of the reason that people think they pay too much in, in taxes and there are too many social services? Yeah, listen, I think that there is certainly a, a, a difference in the culture here versus the United States. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised the United States is leading in terms of their philanthropic uh, charitable giving. Um, you know, in Canada, I think sometimes Canadians, um, given the level of taxes that we pay at all levels of government, assume that the government is taking care of, uh, you know, patients or other areas that uh, require uh, need. Uh, but the fact is that 
when it comes to what we do at the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, 90% of the money that we raise goes to support cancer research. Uh, we are not top five in the world if we didn't have the foundation that was out there raising money through major gifts, through events, through our lottery and other activities. So. Um, you know, governments, as generous as they can be, can't do everything. There's always going to be gaps in the system. And that's where philanthropy foundations like ours, the Scott Mission, really step up uh, and address those those uh, gaps. Yeah, and uh, in terms of uh, the Scott Missions, uh, I mean, we, we just learned that the government wants to uh, trim the definition of who qualifies for disability in a way that will match the federal government's definition, and that's going to mean more people will be needing your services. Yeah, the the kind of gap between what's um, what's available to people in terms of support and what they have to put out in order to just live is is really narrow. The Daily Bread Food Bank did a study of food bank users in Toronto, and they found that people have just like seven, I think it's 765 left over a day after they pay for essentials like housing and um, and utilities. 765 is nothing. Not much, what can yeah. you do on that? Like, that's to buy your food, that's to buy your TTC tickets, that's to buy, you know, your kids okay school supplies uh what do you want to tell people as they're you know they're first of all a lot of people are probably overextended spending too much on presents spending too much on the meal uh what about their giving well i listen i always say to people that you know they're they should first of all giving is is great part of any financial planning uh and uh, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us to uh, do what we can to give back to those that are less fortunate or there are causes that uh, we really want to help deliver impact, whether it's cancer research or, or other things. So, um, you know, people need to just like they're planning uh, for other expend- expenditures uh, to be able to have a line of sight on what they have and what they can afford to give back. And again, it's it's a it's great for your heart. Uh, makes you feel great. Uh, it's great for obviously uh, lots of different uh, w- worthy causes, uh, and it can also benefit you uh, come tax time. So, you know, this is the time of the year to get it in. You've got until uh, the end of December, and I encourage everybody to, you know, get behind something or a number of things that they're passionate about uh, and that they can really make a difference. And and I also think we have to think about giving not just financial giving, uh, but giving of your time can be incredibly powerful. Uh, And, you know, the one thing I will say about both us and the Americans uh, that is quite different than most places around the world is the spirit of volunteerism in this country uh, is as strong as I have ever seen in any other part of the world. Uh, And that's a credit, I think, to us as Canadians and and the values that we have. And, you know, there's been research done and especially for older people and older people volunteer and also donate in bigger numbers and it lengthens your life it's it gives you a purpose yeah we have uh, thousands of volunteers coming in through throughout the year and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without without volunteers um but it's great for people who have retired to find a community of people who um um, your friends and uh, that you meet when you're volunteering as well. It's a great way to to meet new people. But I like what you said about finding something that you're passionate about, something that um, that sparks something inside of you, uh, and 
give back, give back through your time and, and through your money. And um, there are there there are different orders of need in terms of the different types of, of cancer in terms of the research. And I mean, I know uh, I, I don't want to be a Grinch to anyone, but I always tell people, you know, and, and I've had breast cancer too, Breast cancer has a lot of money. Uh, look for an area that that is a bit starved for funds. And of course, I'm you know advocating for pancreatic cancer yeah. here, but there are also other areas. I mean, you mentioned the huge advances in in prostate cancer, but they also got a huge amount of money. Yeah, th- listen, there's no question. Uh, first of all, there's more than 200 types of cancers, yeah. uh, and. So, you know, look, at the end of the day, people, you know, uh, we have a, a really good balance at the foundation. About 50% of our money comes in as it's designated. So people have, you know, survived pancreatic cancer. They've survived, they've survived prostate cancer. So that's the area that they want to focus on. And, and you can't blame them for that. It's completely understandable. The other 50% of the money that, that comes in largely off of our lotteries and our events is undesignated. So it allows us as a cancer center to think about where are those gaps, where are those areas of research where we think we can not just advance, but we can win, uh, and 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 also identify areas of cancer research where we may be falling behind other uh, behind some of those more prominent ones that tend to attract more attention and, and support. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury of turning away anybody that comes into our cancer center, so we have to. Uh, be able to deal with all types of cancers, uh, ones that are very prominent and others that are, uh, you know, uh, that that don't happen as as often. So, um, you know, again, the benefit of a balanced uh, portfolio of events and activities and fundraising really gives us that edge when it comes to being able to ensure that we're tackling not one, but all of the cancers that anyone could get at any given time. And you're talking about undesignated funds and, and the importance there is and you know I've got to say when I donate money I usually designate it but there's a big value in um, giving a charity the money so they can keep the lights on even though that's it's kind of not a sexy thing to put down on the the donation card how important is that for you Holly yeah I mean we have um we have to keep running. We have to keep the heat on so that people, when people come off yeah. the street, they're warm. We have to, you know, have solid financial structures so that, um, you know, we're, people trust us with their money. So we have to have accountants um, and uh, having um, the operational funds to do that is so important. But the operational funds to grow programs as well, to try new things, to um, try pilot programs that are going to help people um, move forward in their life, those are also really important. And um, it's a little bit harder to find the funds for those types of things. And, and of course, uh, we have the Holiday Hope Fund yes. here at the <laughs> station, so people can donate to that. And, Michael, are there any uh, research priorities already set for the next year? Oh, no question. I mean, we, we've got both a new six-year strategic plan for the foundation as well as a new five-year plan for the uh, Cancer Center. And, you know, we're looking across uh, the spectrum uh, from 
big investments in immunotherapy uh, to smart uh, cancer uh, care, uh, where we really want to uh, flip the clinic uh, and bring in new techniques, new thinking and innovation uh, to help the patient journey uh, through, and uh, through cancer. Oh, and, and technology is a significant, uh, going to be a significant focus going into 2020 for us, uh, as well as the, the rest of uh, the uh, University Health Network. And your focus for the coming year? Yeah, so we're really well known for our frontline emergency needs services. But um, behind that program or um, next steps for that program is uh, the other programs that we offer that really help people um, to move forward in their life and to not need those emergency services. So once they have food and housing taken care of, what are the next things that we can do to help those people so that um, eventually they're in a position to give back as well? Okay, before we go, I mean, it's these days very easy to donate. You can do it online. You get an automatic tax receipt. Uh, Michael, uh, 20 seconds. What are you leaving us with? Uh, I'll leave you with a campaign that's in market right now called Doves of Hope. Uh, we uh, have about uh, sold about 10,000 doves that are all uh, positioned around the cancer center. Uh, and I encourage anybody to go to dovesofhope.ca to give for someone who's living, someone we may have lost, or to thank a surgeon or a nurse who has helped them through their cancer journey. Holly? Well, I'm here at Zoomer Radio, so I've got to promote the Holiday Hope Fund. Thank you so much for uh, Classical and Zoomer doing the Holiday Hope Fund throughout the year. And people can give at scottmission.com and uh, towards the Holiday Hope Fund. Okay, well, thank you so much, Michael Burns, President and CEO of the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, and Holly Thompson, Director of Public Relations and Development at the Scott Mission, and everybody, Merry Christmas. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.